0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas—a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John ten ten. And today you're going to hear a pretty strong message. Pastor Sean is doing this series on the Book of First Corinthians. The series is called One, where the Apostle Paul wants to talk about sin. Maybe right now you can think about someone whose life went off the tracks because of them taking their eyes off Jesus. Maybe he made some bad choices. Maybe it was you. Well, Here's the good news. God's love is on both sides of the tracks. He's always providing a way up and out. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. The message today is called The Sin Problem. The series is called One. John is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: And today we want to talk about in chapter 5, if you want to turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians 5, you can go there. We want to talk about the sin problem because the Apostle Paul brings it up. And sin is one of those issues that it's tough because in a culture, and a society that doesn't even want to admit that there is such a thing as truth that is binding on anyone. You have your truth, I have my truth. He or she, they have their truth or the idea of right and wrong, sin is a problematic idea. And yet, in real life, we've all seen people who we care about be destroyed by sin. Let's begin 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It's only 13 verses. I'm going to read the whole chapter. He says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that's not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Another translation says you're proud. seems like they were proud of their, their tolerance. And proud of their sophistication. Remember, we talked about Corinth, the Church of Corinth is a pretty wealthy, sophisticated place. He says, "You're arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who's done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's an interesting phase. Something happens when you're assembled." In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? He's talking about yeast that causes the bread to rise. A little bit. And it's not unleavened bread anymore. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. As you really are unleavened for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or the idolaters, since you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of, the, of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. But what, what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you're to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Let me pray for us. Lord, I ask that you give us your wisdom. I pray that we would hear your heart. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's really two issues that Paul brings up, and he's pretty passionate about both of them. One is the sin that was happening among them. There was a man who had been sexually involved with his father's wife. The implication is like a stepmother. At least, or there could have been an incestual relationship. We don't know. But the point is he's involved in that kind of relationship. The second thing is their attitude towards the sin. He says it's almost like you're proud. You're boasting. What are you boasting about? I, I I mean, I would doubt they were boasting about the sin, I don't know for sure, but they're boasting about something, about their tolerance, about their openness, about their sophistication. Either way, the sin is a problem, and their attitude towards sin is a problem. See, and Paul makes clear his view of sin. It is serious. He's not playing. And it's clear he expects the same from them, and he expects the same from us, to have this serious, hard view of sin. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. He makes this call to purity. That's what this idea of leaven is. The Passover they celebrate, they have to go and remove and sweep the whole house, lest there be any little speck of yeast. The idea, it was a, an illustration of purity in preparation for the Lord. And then he talks about something that we're not sure how to even handle, I think some of us the expulsion of a member. Wow, that seems so harsh. Brings up some big questions. This is a difficult passage. What is sin? How do we respond to sin or sinners as Christians? How do we respond to sin or sinners as the church? And I think there's a big overarching idea that I, I want us to kind of deal with this morning. So if you're taking notes, please write this down. How you see sin says everything about how you see God. I think that's why Paul is so passionate about this. How you see, how you view sin says everything about how you view God. What is sin? What is sin? The Greek word is hamartia, and it means missing the mark. I'm sure you've heard that that's like an archery term. Well, it was used as a military term to describe missing of a target with an arrow. But also it was used just as missing the standard or missing the point. And it could be whether intentionally or not. See, a person could be lost and therefore miss the mark. A person could be rebellious and therefore miss the mark. They could be downright evil and miss the mark. Whatever the reason, we miss the mark. Remember what the scripture says. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin means to miss the mark. Now, here's the question, and this is a really important question. Who's mark? Okay, who, gets to, who gets to set what the mark is? I mean, that, isn't that one of the biggest issues that we wrestle with? If sin is missing the mark, well, who got to set the mark? Who gets to set the standard? And see, this is why how you see sin says everything about how you see God. God gets to set the standard. He gets to determine what is sin. He gets to determine what is righteousness. How you v- view God will determine how you accept that statement. Do you view God as a kindly old man who's kind of like a kindly old grandfather who's there to give you 50 bucks when you need it? You mess up and you go to him and he rubs you on the head, you, here, there's a 20 and a piece of candy. And is that how you view God? I think sometimes that we do. He's, he's all about love and, and all, it's, it's, he, he never kind of frowns on anything that anyone does. He's not negative like that. Do you see him as a kindly old uncle or a grandfather who kind of looks the other way when we screw up? Or do you see him as the king? Do you see him as the creator who designed things for a reason and who gives warning to his people because he cares about them and when we violate his standard, when we violate his mark, it brings destruction and hurt and pain on us and on people around us. How do you see God? See, what this is all about, really, is a church who is taking sin lightly and just kind of winking at it, just like, "Oh, come on, it's not that big a deal." Who gets to set the standard? And that's the arrogance. That's the arrogance, I think, sometimes, of our culture's attitude towards sin, even we in the church. Here's the question: Do I humble myself before the Creator and accept his judgment of sin? Because his word is clear, He does not stutter. Do I humble myself and accept his judgment, or do I sit in judgment of him and the word? Do I sit and go, well, that, I mean, we can't really, that's not practical. Well, that's kind of an archaic rule, isn't it? Does does God really feel that way? Do I sit in judgment of the word? Do I declare the word outdated and culturally irrelevant, so therefore just irrelevant in general? Or do I humble myself and say, God, I'm going to align with your word, your standard? See, that's what Paul's talking about. This is about our attitude towards sin. And the truth is, how you see sin says everything about how you see God. A few points that we need to draw from this that I think are very practical for us. Number one, God does not take sin lightly and neither should we. God does not take sin lightly and neither should we. I've told you before, God hates sin because it kills those he loves. Say that with me. God hates sin because it kills those he loves. I've told you before, and if I'm re- being repetitious here, I'm doing it on purpose. When you start thinking about God's view of sin, think of mothers against drunk driving. Those, those ladies get crazy when you, they talk about someone with alcohol and driving. They're not playing. They have no sense of humor about it. And mothers against drunk drivers is a group of ladies who have lost children, loved ones, because of drunk driving. So they don't find it funny. They're not like, well, to each his own. They're crystal clear. I hate drinking and driving because it killed someone I love. That's how God is towards sin, because he loves you passionately. He loves people. He loves them so much he gave Jesus Christ on the cross so that we could have life. And sin destroys the people that he loves. That's why we talk about it. That's why the Scripture talks about it. That's why we can't just say, well, it's not ours to say. No, it is ours to say. And Paul is saying you need to take this seriously. God takes sin seriously. He said it's to be mourned, not tolerated. And I think sometimes we go, but what about grace, man? Aren't we saved by grace? This sounds so legalistic, Sean. You sound like an old Southern Baptist now. Or worse yet, a Pentecostal. Don't get me going on my Pentecostal stuff. The leg starts going once the leg starts going, it's over. But seriously, we get like, oh, that's old-timey. Oh, that's old-timey. Come on. Come on, Sean. We don't need that old hell, fire, and brimstone. <laughs> it's called the Bible. Amen. And, and th- I think what this is is I think we misunderstand grace. We think grace means God doesn't care. We see that's called cheap grace. And we don't understand. You know how much God cared about grace? I'm going to get the camera guys all mad at me. This is how much God cared about grace this is what it costs him you when you think sin's no big deal then why did jesus hang on a cross until dead why did he have to pay this penalty why in the garden did he say father let this cup pass from me and it says he sweat almost like great drops of blood this was so agonizing for him and then say but he said and i thank you for this jesus he said but not my will but thine be done father Okay, if sin's no big deal, what's up with the cross? This death penalty, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That death penalty, he's, he's like for real. He paid that because of how serious sin is.
0: And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Sin Problem in the series on Unity called One. Which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: So I think we misunderstand grace. We think of it as sheep, and Paul addresses this, Romans 6, beginning of verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to st- sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We understand when we are forgiven and set free, and baptism is that incredible symbol, that declaration that the old person, the person who was a slave to sin, has been buried, and a new person has been resurrected alive in Christ, filled with his spirit. Do you know what filled with his spirit means? It means he has empowered us to overcome sin. That's the message of the gospel. He didn't just die so we could overcome the consequences or the eternal consequences of sin. He died so we could be empowered to live differently. That's the gospel. And this issue of sex, and it's so, it's like, it is like the, the religion of our contemporary culture. Sexual freedom, no matter what. I don't care how many people are hurt by it. I don't care how many families are destroyed by it. I don't care how many kids grow up without both their parents or maybe without either of their parents. Because of sexual sin. It's like, this, it's like it's the religion. And it's not to be touched. When you talk about this issue, these sexual issues, people say, well, it's just sex. And I just want to say, no, it's not. No, it's not. See, that's the arrogance that Paul's talking about. See, God says one thing and we say another. It's not just sex. Understand something. This is all a matter of belief. The Scripture talks about how sex is designed to happen in the context of a loving relationship called marriage between a man and a woman. That's what it was made for. God designed it. He's the creator. I guess he gets to say those kind of things, doesn't he? And we find that in the, in the context of that relationship, there is blessing, there is fulfillment, there's personal affection, there's personal intimacy and in relationship, there's procreation, there's children, there's the, the raising up of children and family and all the good things that come from that. That's why God created it. It is a wonderful gift and a blessing. But when people say, well, but I want to have sex differently. I want to have sex with whoever I want. That always ends up in pain. But God made me different. I have same-sex attraction. God didn't make you different. We all, in our sin nature, have unhealthy attractions. The point is the Holy Spirit gives us the power to walk in a new life, a different life. And see, we got to decide if we believe that. See, that's why Paul's talking here. In 1 Corinthians 5, did you notice? He talked about, he said, deliver that one so that his flesh be delivered to Satan, but so that his spirit could be saved. This is a salvation issue he's talking about. Because, you know why? Because Not because of the action, not because it's of the sex, because it's a matter of belief. When you basically say, I'm going to do what I want, and I don't believe God, but one condition, right? The conditions of our salvation, repentance and faith, belief. We're told, Abraham believed and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. By grace are you saved through faith. That's where our salvation comes from. And if I say, well, I, I kind of believe in God's stuff, but I don't believe he knows what he's talking about. I don't believe his word. I'm going to redefine sex however I want. I'm going to make it up as I go, whatever I feel at the moment. I'm telling you, it's not just sex. It's this issue of rebellion against the Creator. This person's eternal life was in danger. That's why Paul took this so seriously. And remember, God hates sin because it kills those He loves. Everything He writes about sin is because He loves us and He wants to bless us. He wants us to experience the good fruit of His life. That's the truth of Scripture. See, how you see sin says everything about how you see God. Interesting second point. Removal is not about punishment, but preservation. And we need to, we need to understand, because that's the, one of the things that sticks with us on this a little bit. Removing someone from the fellowship? Are you kidding me? It's not about punishment. It's about preservation. We use the term excommunication. Someone who was a member, and then they are not a member anymore. And Paul used the phrase not to associate with one like this. And, and the, the, in the original Greek word, it's this idea of mingling or mixing up, that like you're a part of them, they're a part of you. I think to understand this passage, you have to understand the church. See, what happens is in this context of who you are, if you are, if you are walking in such a way that you're literally pretending to be following Jesus, and if the church kind of just nods at that and says, okay, that's fine, it changes the makeup. That's what he's talking about with the leaven. A little leaven changes the whole loaf of bread. See, the whole idea, I want you to see this in the context of discipline god's desire for us as a community is to encourage each other to walk the way he's created us i love psalm one blessed is the man who walks not notice the different postures here walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits notice how he's getting more comfortable walking standing sitting Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. Listen to the description. And he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. That's the vision. That's the vision. But it requires that this is the, that, that we be people who understand where we walk matters, where we stand matters, where we sit matters. I think this is intended for the preservation of the church. And let me just be real clear here. There is a vast difference between people who are following Jesus and they just fail or they stumble. That's all of us, right? We're not talking perfection here. There are people who are sincerely following Jesus and they fall. They fall to temptation or they, that sin. They say that thing. They think that thought. They do that thing. And then the minute they do, they are, they are broken before the Lord and they understand they've sinned and they're repentant in heart, but they're sincerely following Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. The a difference between those who follow Jesus and fail or stumble versus those who refuse his word. See, there's a very different thing. If you're refusing your, his word, you are refusing him. And so he's preserving the body. He's saying don't encourage the pretending of someone. And he, his whole goal is the preservation of that person, of the sinner. Remember what verse 5 said? Let me read four. You're, when you assemble the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are deliver this man. Listen, this is verse five. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? In other words, what he's talking about is you deliver them to the consequences of their sin. Don't pretend with them. Don't pretend. Acknowledge where this person is and I want to suggest this is in the spirit of discipline. Remember we talked about the difference between, between punishment and discipline. Punishment always looks back and says, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. And in a family or with children, it can be the exact same consequence, same action. Grounding, spanking, loss of privilege, whatever it is. Punishment, though, the focus is what you did, what you did, what you did. Discipline is what you can become. What See, discipline is about training. It looks forward. Punishment looks back. Discipline looks forward. And the spirit of the action changes everything. The spirit of this is to see this person actually saved, to see their spirit saved, and to see them come back to Christ and be restored to Him. That's the spirit of this. And you're like, but man, that's still so hard. How do we deal with this at River City Community Church? And this is one I want—I want to just help you think because we we think through this stuff a lot. One, the question of who is the church. And I just want you to be aware, we, we, we kind of address this question, who is the church and what, is weekends, what are weekend services? I want you to understand, weekend services are a place where we feel free to invite our friends, our guests, our neighbors, our community, and everyone's welcome. We consider this a public place. This is not just the gathering of the church. This is the gathering of the church, but where everybody's invited and we present the gospel. You know, I, I think previous generations in the church, they couldn't have even imagine something like this in different countries, different places, because it's like, man, the church was persecuted. You didn't have public church services. You had them underground. You hid out. But we have lived and we have enjoyed a season in our history where we can open our doors, we can put it on our sign, we can invite our friends and neighbors. So we see weekend services as a gathering of the church, yes, but where the whole public is invited. So we don't look at that and say, okay, that's what this gathering is different. Again, this is something that the the first century church wouldn't have had a lot of comparisons to. Jesus had public ministry, they had public, Peter spoke, 5,000 people came to Christ. 3,000 people, then 5,000. And so they had those public gatherings, but it's like it wasn't in the church. We get to have that. But we see our weekend services as a gathering where the public is invited to hear the gospel, to meet the Lord. And we love that. The believers, the body, we see that as a smaller group of people. Those are people who commit to this thing we call membership where they connect in the body, and they say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And and these are people who we will have an interview with. Tell us your testimony. I'm a follower of Jesus. And they get connected in community. They begin to get connected in service. And then this standard applies. That's how we walk that out. I'm not saying it's perfect. Different churches may do it a little differently, but that's how we feel convicted that the Lord would have us walk this out so that we can be a city on a hill and connect with our community and see as many people come to Christ as possible, but we can also be the church Because that is the ultimate city on the hill. How you see sin says everything about how you see God. Another interesting point from this passage that I really think we need to grab onto is that we are free from the burden of judging the world. Paul makes it clear. We are free from the burden of of judging the world. It's interesting that only the man is discussed in in 1 Corinthians 5. They don't mention anything about the woman. He should be dismissed. He should be put out. Because he was a Christian. He was a part of the church. She was outside the church. At least that's what most commentators believe, and it makes sense to me. She was someone outside, an unbeliever who was outside of the fellowship, so they didn't even address her. What she did was wrong. She was guilty of sin as well. But he's talking about how you handle someone in the context of the church. See, we aren't to judge the world. Paul says God does that. Remember verse 12 and 13? For what do I have with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you're to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you, meaning from among, being counted as part of the church. We're told the Holy Spirit convicts the whole world of sin, and he is out there doing that. And I will tell you, this is interesting for us as Americans, because we've grown up in an era, and our whole memory, the church was kind of very integrated. You know, when you you grew up in a country where the scriptures written on all the governmental buildings... Prayer before big events. Presidents make sure to, to tell you how they're a person of faith and they all have spiritual advisors who are advising them and giving them counsel from the Christian church. It's like, we, that's, that's something that's unprecedented in most of history. Little seasons, little pockets. And we're one of those pockets. And so for us, we often see, we look at America going downhill and we want to stand up and we want to stand and judge it and kind of shout out and, and call judgment. Paul's saying, yeah, that's not your job. The Holy Spirit is bringing conviction. God will judge the world. The Spirit is bringing conviction and is, of, of judgment, righteousness, and sin. And so I, I want you to see that as a burden lifted. It really is. It is a burden lifted. What is our relationship then towards the world? We are to share the love of God. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes him did not perish but have everlasting life. We are to share the love of God.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. you'd like to call the church the number is 210-490-5262 as reaching for real life radio is a service of river city community church we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life